welcome to another From the Rookery End, uh, where we have just watched Glipton Romeo's 1, Jossie's Giants 2. Jossie's Giants? Yeah, Jossie's Giants. And that's for anybody over the age of 35 and who enjoyed the 1987 second series of Jossie's Giants where the, uh, the white away kit was washed with a red sock. Uh, basically what Manchester United looked like today. Um, Mike, we've just left the game, like I say, it was 2-1. How are you feeling leaving a game that Watford have just lost to Manchester United? I'm disappointed. Um, I think we had an opportunity there to, to get some sort of result, but disappointed but there's a massive caveat I think this time last year if we'd have conceded those two quick goals in the first half we'd have gone on to lose 4-0 5-1 something like that we showed backbone to get into back back into the game so disappointing not to have got something I think there was something there for the taking but really really pleased with the with the second half response and I think it augurs well for the rest of the season because Jason you know we as you said and you predicted on the last podcast uh, that we did you know you said you wouldn't change the team and it was a completely unchanged team and it started well it uh, started okay. Man United were up for it. I, 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 my first thought looking at Man United compared to the last game against Spurs, I thought Man United looked a better side. They pressed us really high and, and they knew that they had a point to make. They knew that if they didn't come away from today, probably with a win, that there's going to be a big gap between them and the, uh, the, the sort of very top of the table. So they, they had to get something today. And it did look very tricky. I think we, we, we did start okay. We had a good chance, so Dini had a, a decent effort saved by De Gea, and then we had a good period of the game, sort of round about the half hour mark, where I thought we were looking good and sort of we sort of dealt with their fast start. Thought we were going to do all right, and then two goals, and we sort of we sort of looked like we could capitulate. Yeah, because the, the first goal, Michael, uh, was not questioned, but you know, it's one of those goals. You're not, it didn't look fantastic at all, um, and I even. Yeah, you know, uh, we had people around the world watching the game and sort of said on a WhatsApp group, anyone see it? any eyes on it? And it was onside and it was just off his chest and no arms. Um, but it was a, such a disappointment. Yeah, it's just one of those that you hate to concede. And the second one's as well, a ball sort of ricocheting around. Fellaini got the, got the assist and, and Smalling's there to put the second one away. But yeah, it's frustrating after the big build-up and the amazing start we've had in the week, the couple of weeks of enjoying our, uh, our time in the spotlight. It sort of, that did deflate us a bit, the nature of the goals, and I think. And as Jason said, we just got a bit of a head of steam up after, after the half an hour mark. And they scored, really, just at the tail end of our best period of the game. And Jason's absolutely right. I was a bit, not flat, but they're big game performers performed really well in that opening half I thought Pogba looked big Lukaku looked, looked up for it I thought Matic played very well as well whereas he looked at our, our big game performers over the last couple of, uh, of weeks Pereira Dini um, Decore perhaps they wasn't quite coming off with those guys um, didn't get the rub of the green as yeah, a Richard, I, Richard I sit next to said we're not sure not get the rub of the green I think, and I think they tried to overplay a little bit and I think they, they perhaps um, were they overawed a little bit by the situation? I'm not sure. I think um, those players did look big. Pogba looked big. Lukaku looked big and turned in big performances, both sort of physically and, and metaphorically. They sort of, and we seemed to sort of not shrink at, 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 like, like that, but we found it very hard going. I think what Watford have done well is that they've committed players to move all around the park to, to commit to attack and then someone will fin in it on the left when if someone's left out of place that looked like hard work today Manchester United looked like they were for the first half anyway Manchester United seemed to keep the ball quite easily and I noticed a few of our boys and we've talked a lot in the break about how fit Watford are 
they looked like they were blowing a little bit not not out of puff but they looked like they were finding the going difficult after about half an hour because I think they were being made to work harder than perhaps our, our four or five previous opponents that have made us so disappointing the way we conceded the goals um, Managing at half time, which was important. Yeah, I'm going to say the, the 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 bad bit about the game, I suppose, was actually how we reacted to the first goal. It, it did seem a little bit hesitant, and it, it didn't have that chippy vibe that we've sort of seen for the last uh, few seasons, uh, last few games. And we definitely needed half time quite quickly. Second half, Jason though came out, um, and it was a little bit more as as expected. I think so. I think it probably suited us that playing against the Jose Mourinho side he's not going to go for the jugular as we were talking about during the game John um, he was always going to they weren't going to press as much they still did a bit but not as, as forceful as they did in the first half which allowed us to sort of calm down a bit sort of take stock and then as the game wore on and we're still in it at 2-0 we can then sort of go for it and, and try and get back into the game and uh, obviously we did with the goal and it was a another instant goal from Andre Gray, a run from uh, Pereira into the box, taken over by Decore, out into the penalty spot, and uh, wham bam, thank you, ma'am, uh, from Andre Gray. Lovely finish, nicely worked, and uh, no more than his his hard work and effort and deserved, I don't think, on the day. But I, did, I think Manchester United re- retreated; they completely went into their shell, their shell. And what frustrated me, I think, for the first 10-15 minutes, having seen that, having United fully taken their foot off the gas and just reshaping and looking to hold on. They were giving Watford opportunities and we weren't quite taking them. The passes were still going under, uh, slightly astray. Balls were getting trapped under underfoot a little bit. And we, I thought, it's not going to be our day. So when that goal came, it, again, it was on the back of, back of some decent play. Watford were found, found their rhythm a little bit for a couple of minutes. They were, they were moving the ball nicely forwards and, uh, and just starting to make Man United chase the ball a little bit. We were maintaining possession, which we found difficult for probably an hour I think so it came at a really good time for us I thought I thought here we go I actually thought right we will equalise here I think the crowd the crowd got up and, and we looked confident we looked good Decore started snapping into the challenges winning the ball back Hughes was his usual um, incredible self Deeney had a, another lease of life he managed to jump a couple of inches inches higher and I thought we are going to get back into this game they look worried they look scared and we look great slightly frustrating we didn't quite build up that head of steam that I think that there was the, the door was slightly open for us to do it. You're playing against Manchester United. You're playing against superb footballers. We mustn't lose sight of, of it's us v them. It's still, to a degree, little Watford v massive Man United. So let's not get carried away. But I think the door was left ajar, and perhaps against Tottenham we booted it down, and we sort of perhaps knocked on it a little bit this afternoon. Well, well in, in the Glipton Rovers, uh, Gri- in the Glipton Romeos against Jesse Giants, the Glipton Romeos uh, did get. That that three three draw apparently. Thanks to John Mitchell by the way for researching that during the uh, during the game. Chase, I, I, all I was going to say is that I thought we were just trying to be perhaps a little too cute. There were sort of little passes that we were trying to play play through. Like like Mike said, they had retreated, so they were trying to keep it tight and compact right across the back. Sort of Fellaini had sort of dropped in there, and we were sort of trying to squeeze it through gaps that weren't there when perhaps it needed to be sort of maybe a bit more direct and like we did against Spurs or just to sort of batter them a bit more. Were there any signs though, Mike, that Manchester United were thinking about us rather than us just thinking about them being Manchester United? I think it was, from their point of view, they were tuning up at half-time away from home and there's only one thing that's going to happen, as Jay said, with the with Jose Mourinho's side, they're going to try and hang on to what they've got. I thought what I loved about, about Watford and, and Javi Gracia, we were talking on the WhatsApp group, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, this is real adversity, 2-0 down against a team of the quality of United and he brought Messina on 
who straight away he obviously had instructions to, to cause havoc, get forward. He was he was like a real jack in the box. Um, and all three substitutions were were positive. And and you asked about Manchester United. Well, I think they look worried. I think they look concerned. They were playing the situation as opposed to, to playing us. Um, but I thought the way we reacted off the pitch tactically to, to go for it was 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 really pleasing it wasn't really several of our substitutions were down to injury by the way I did like the fact that Messina went for what is known as doing a Zuniga so you know first touch go in score a goal against Man United some of those um, substitutions were because of injuries but we still went for it. I think you could, when the guys came on, just the way they were playing. And, and I think I mentioned for Isaac Success, who looks so strong again. Um, and, yeah, just a little bit frustrating. We didn't get the ball, ping the ball wide. We were making, we were making progress down the left with either Messina and Holobas down the left. Will Hughes was having a lot of, a lot of joy down the right-hand side. Get it wide, get the ball in the box. And we saw right there in the last couple of minutes, um, we, we created a couple of chances. An absolutely fantastic save from the end uh, uh, from De Gea to, 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 to stop us getting a two-all draw. It would have, the place would have collapsed after the uh, <laughs> after the Tottenham uh, the, the noise at the Tottenham game. To, to, if, the, if we'd have equalised there, and let's face it, is one of the best goalkeepers in this, only one of the best keepers in the world that stopped us from getting a point here today. And it, well, I think our goalkeeper also saved us on several occasions for them to score more goals. So you know, two great goalkeeping uh, performances. James, we know we're playing. You know, Manchester United, big 16. We've already played one and we beat them. Um, is there anything you can sort of take from this, Watford should take from this game in this performance for when we go and play other, supposedly, top six teams? I think it's the things we've already talked about. The fact that the, the big teams are worried about us when we're, when we're on our game. Uh, and again, so I think we talked about this during the game, it, the fitness. Mike mentioned some of the players maybe looked a bit tired when, uh, when we were 2-0 down and looking a bit worried. I think the same sort of thing applied when we when we got the goal back. The Man United players seemed to look a bit more tired. They uh, they were still looking to catch us on the break. Like we said, they weren't they weren't going to sort of press us high up the pitch. But when they tried to get us on the break, they looked like they didn't have the energy to sort of to sort of catch us out. I think there was one time where um, yeah, there was there was one time when, when Popa was was thrown. He's up against Capu. Uh, and Capu just sort of took the ball off him quite easily. Just waited for his opportunity, took the ball, and, and Pogba just like, oh, just. There's one where Fellaini ran with uh, Will Hughes, and he wasn't running to tackle him. He was running just to stay with him. And I think you know you said we were a bit puffing away after half an hour, Mike. We definitely didn't seem as puffy uh, when it came to the 90th minute. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Some of you might have uh, seen this video on Twitter. Why do they have a moose on their jersey? That's a hawk. What's a heart? It's a type of deer. So their mascot is a deer? No, the hawk is for Hertfordshire County, but their mascot is a hornet. Wait, a bee? No, a hornet. Harry the hornet. Why a hornet? Watch him dance and you'll understand. NBC, we're here. There's several big trucks around the place. You can see one right now. Uh, a lot of coverage of this game, maybe against Manchester United, but also the fact that it is the prime slot on American television. Um, We've been a lot of tension over the last few weeks. What, you know, we've had some nice profiles of Troy Deeney on uh, Five Live. BT Sports seem to be putting a lot into to this game, but not just the Manchester United being put a lot into Watford and some lovely tweets from uh, from Jake Humphreys about what he was impressed with when he went to the training ground. They've been talking about us, Michael. Mm. Does it feel like the 
the cat's out the bag? It's absolutely brilliant. I was thinking about this this week, and it, you just had that sort of feel, it, almost like a, a cup game, not because it's United, but in the build-up to a game. And it's, and it's not just... Um, it's not it's worldwide have been talking about Watford for the last couple of weeks. And the great thing is it's not because of Elton John or not because of um, Harry the Hornet. Or it's because we've been playing well and, and, and we're getting plaudits for how well we've performed. And Javi Gracia is getting plaudits for the way he's, he's turned, turned things around. So I think he's been absolutely magnificent you talk about the cat being out of the bag everyone knows Troy Deeney everyone knows you know this is the Premier League the most watched league in in the world so you can't keep it a secret they everyone knows who's bottom of the league everyone knows who's top so I have been absolutely basking in in it I think it's it it just shows about how far how far we've come and and people talk about well the championship's great because anyone can beat anyone and you know, to be perfectly frank, Watford Football Club this week have been the equivalent of a of a rock star, haven't they? And and that's and it's, you could argue against the sort of how how valuable the glitz and glamour is, but to have everyone looking at us and talking about us in glowing terms is is great. And not only that, deserved. Because the the thing we we you know we heard with Troy when he was on Five Live. Yeah, we all we know what we get from Troy in terms of interview. It's open, it's honest, uh, it's insightful, um, and he certainly talked a, a lot, Jason, about the. He certainly talked about uh, the the problems he was having uh, under Walter Mazzari. He did, um, and I don't know. Are we are we surprised? I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't really know. It, yeah, you're right. What well, we we know how honest Troy can be. We were lucky enough to have a, a podcast special with him when we uh, took him to dinner yes. that time for our five year anniversary. So we know what uh, an honest guy he is and I think I think part of it is because he just because he, he he loves his football so much you can you can see it so for a, a period of time where he's not enjoying it that must have been really difficult for him and and I'll be honest I don't think it really showed on the pitch perhaps that's because he was only on the pitch for half the time it wasn't getting the game time he wanted but I don't think whilst he was saying he was struggling and perhaps he was as maybe letting himself down a bit I don't think he was letting the fans down. You couldn't, you couldn't see that on the pitch. So, uh, yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised by uh, sort of by the revelations because it, it didn't come across at the time. But I, I guess in hindsight, and we all know how we felt about Matt Sari during the time. As you go, hey, there we go. But what obviously is really pleasing to see is the fact that he has got his mojo back. He's back to his best. Um, Big point from today. David Leave me will, will be pleased to hear me mention this because he, he's just mentioned it to me on Twitter. What uh, a, a sort of a, a compliment it is. Yes, thank you, John. What a compliment it is for uh, to have Maran Fellaini marking you sort of from the early stage of the game. They were worried about Dini today. I think, and I think the, the thing that, that Troy said. I don't, don't want to make it all about Troy because a lot of people have been doing a lot of, of work this this week in the media. But how important that goodwill is behind the scenes and I think just being around the place you can feel that everyone's united behind Javi Gracia there's a huge amount of goodwill towards him um, and, and I'm, saying I'm not going to talk about Troy but the, the, the really interesting thing that Troy said I thought was that Gracia was talking last year about this is what we're going to be looking for next year this is what I want you to be doing he knew he'd inherited an absolute disaster everyone was on their arse basically no one wanted to be there no, everyone was everyone's head was spinning and we, we found ourselves in a bit of a, a nasty situation so they were planning for this year and I think everyone's since he came in that game at Stoke has all been leading up to this year and everyone's fallen in behind him the supporters 
like him. I think he's understated. He's he's got them playing well on the, on the pitch. His home record, which I think has come into focus since we started playing well, is absolutely incredible. Literally second to none ahead of ahead of today. So there's there's huge amounts of goodwill floating around Watford, and I would go so far as to say it hasn't quite been like this since Kike. Uh, and that, that took us a long way and then that, that disintegrated. I don't see that happening. I don't see that breakdown in relationship between Javi Gracia uh, and the football club um, happening. And therefore, I think we've got that bond, that unity. The players will want to, to carry it on because it's still the same situation for those guys. A lot of them are looking to break it, to, to get their move in the summer. Ducouré will be looking at top six in, in the Premier League or Paris Saint-Germain or summer, you know, one of Europe's heavy hitters. Pereira perhaps has got designs on, on getting back into a, into a Champions League side. So this is, you know, we know where we're at. The Richarlison thing reminded us where we're at. We're going to buy young talent, sell them on. That ain't going to change anytime soon. So these guys want to, should want to perform, should want to fall in, should want to deliver for Watford. There's no reason this can't be a really, really exciting season, despite a minor blip today. It was interesting that the club was so open for it, but not just the club wanted to get people in, that they might do, but actually the players are so receptive to, to everything. And that was a fantastic sort of to know that it goes to the depths. There's not, not, they didn't seem like they were following orders, which is, I quite like. Our mate Kieran uh, is out in uh, the other side of the Atlantic, I think he's in Canada at the moment. Uh, he watched the game on television with his mate Kevin, who's also a Watford fan, um, and they, they caught up uh, because, you know, the Watford love around the world is, is, is spreading. Hi guys, so just finished watching the Watford Man United game, I know that you've already analysed it. Um, I'm actually watching it in downtown Toronto, so if you hear the traffic in the background, that's because we're now walking back to our hotel. Now I know that we've had Curtis from Denver on the podcast before and we're always interested to learn about Watford fans abroad. I'm actually here and watched the game with a friend of mine who is from Los Angeles, my friend Kevin who I met nearly 10 years ago and it's kind of interested Kev, I know you've told me the story but why is it and how is it that a fan with no association to Watford, no family there, no nothing, can support a club like Watford FC? Well the short answer is Jada Merritt. When I first started being a spectator of the sport, I, I was looking for reasons to like a team, and Jay Demerit's story reached out to me because as an American that was kind of ignored by the establishment here and caught on there, it was a great story. So that's how I started following them. Now, we met in Newcastle 2009, I think it was your first experience of then championship football, freezing cold. But you've only ever done one home game, been to Watford once. It was the beginning of December. And it is what has now become known as Doily Day to Watford fans. You were there for the 3-1 win over QPR. Did you know the significance of that goal at the time and, and how important it was for someone who'd been with the club for so many years to score their first goal and to be there for it as well? <laughs> I did know. I, I, I knew, I knew that, that uh, Lloyd Doily had never scored before. When it happened, people just lit up. And it was, it was just an amazing scene, you know, seeing people who knew full well how he had struggled to score and just never actually got it done. You know, the, their faces lit up and it was an amazing thing. And the, you know, the crowd erupted. At first, I didn't really, I didn't really understand why. Because <laughs> it, it looked like just a goal, but it, when the significance of it actually being Lloyd Doyle scoring it, you know, I realized that was the, that was the thing. So it was an amazing time. A last one before we go back to the boys. Uh, Watford, I know we've just seen them lose narrowly to Man United, but great start to the season. One of the best in the club's history. 
you've followed the Premier League for, well, certainly in the time that Watford have been in it, and as we know, you've followed Watford for, for over 10 years now. What's the reaction, what's the response of American soccer fans who follow the Premier League? Because I'm sure that when you speak to friends and, and people that you know and you tell them you support Watford, it's not the response they're probably expecting. It's not Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City. So how have attitudes changed towards Watford, especially with the start that we've had this season? And how have your friends reacted when they're talking to you about Watford? People don't really know <laughs> what Watford is, um, unfortunately. And... You know, I always have to explain who they are and why I'm interested in them because no one gets it. But for some reason, people seem to understand why random people will follow Chelsea or, or Manchester United if they're an American. And there's no explanation in my mind for that either other than they're on TV all the time. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, there, are, there are some people who really understand that it's a big achievement, I think, for, for Watford to be where they're at. Some of the more clued-in fans, even if they support a different team, are excited about the idea of Watford being sort of an outsider thrusting their way into the upper reaches of the, of the Premier League. But one of my bosses is, is from Watford, and um, you and I haven't spoken about this, but my, my boss is from Watford, and, and I met him you know, 10 or 15 years ago before he was my boss, and we connected on the fact that that he's from Watford and I follow the team. When I interviewed for the position that I'm in right now, he recognized me immediately because I'm one of the only people that he had ever met that knew and actually liked Watford. <laughs> so it was a real big plus in my favor. Hey, look, us Watford fans get everywhere. Look, mate, it's really, really good to speak to you and learn about how it was that you got into the club. Guys, going to hand back to you. Kev and I are actually going to go and see if Toronto FC are going to get Zlatan or not. We're going to go and watch Toronto against the LA Galaxy. So uh, not a win today for us, unfortunately, but uh, still four wins out of five. Great start to the season. I'll catch up with you all really soon. Take it easy. Kieran has got a uh, podcast which you can you should check out. It's called The Football Spotlight, uh, where him, as his expertise of uh, the ladies' game, uh, interviews people who have been in the spotlight in the women's game uh, from uh, the other side of the Atlantic, but as well as over here. So that's uh, The Football Spotlight. Uh, check that on, uh, on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Okay, any other business uh, we should discuss? Uh, maybe we should discuss this uh, whole thing that Everton is, is still not going away, Michael. It absolutely isn't, no. And um, yeah, I think there's probably a few nerves starting to jangle up, uh, up in Merseyside. Perhaps people wondering whether they could accidentally lose their mobile phones or have their laptops stolen off the, uh, <laughs> off the, um, off the back of, the, of their parcel chef of their, uh, of their car. So yeah, absolutely not going away. And yeah, I think I was um, slightly made a bit of a blunder on, on Twitter by saying that I have no appetite to see Everton punished. And I worded that quite poorly because what I meant was I don't want them to be punished vindictively just because they pinched Marco Silva. I don't care necessarily about Everton. What I do care about is due process. What I do care about is is justice. You know, I don't want to overblow it, but that's what it is. Our season, we've just talking about the mess Javi Gracia inherited last season and all signs point towards Everton having an incredibly large part to play in that. If that's the case, if they've broken the rules, they should absolutely be taken to the class and punished. I thought a lot of them thought it was going to go away because nothing's happened for a while. I think a lot of them thought that we should just go away because we're Watford. And I think that is the issue. 
Watford made this stand at that time, rightly so, to show that you cannot push us around. We're not little old Watford from little leafy Hertfordshire who just hand over our prize assets when some a an invert, very bold inverted commas when it comes to Everton, <laughs> bigger side, comes, comes calling. You can't push us around anymore. And they're finding that out to their cost. Um, you know, quite frankly, you could do without the distraction. But what I kind of I was getting at, it's not really a distraction for That's us anymore. Yeah, yeah. We're settled. We've got our man. We've got our team. They're the ones that have done the wrong. They're the ones that should be sweating. So I'm going to sit back. I don't care about Everton. I do not care. What I care about is if, it, you know, it could have been Arsenal. It could have been Mason United. What I care about is is the result being correct. I don't. Watford don't need the money. It doesn't. It, you know, be, if they did get a points points deduction, it would be absolutely here. But I think what Watford fans and Everton fans want is consistency. So if there is a punishment, it needs to be the same for Everton as it would be for Leeds, as it would be for Luton, as it would be for non-league. So anyone that finds themselves on the wrong side of these sort of rules, it needs to be applied even-handedly to stop it happening. It's not fair. It's not right. And action needs to be taken if they're in the wrong. I don't know if anyone's read the exclusive in the Watford Gazette uh, on, uh, on Twitter. Apparently though, uh, the, the chances are, Michael, we might actually get all the points we were meant to get last year when Marco Silva was acting like a stupid child. 103 oh. points headed our way. <laughs> magnificent. Uh, but Jason, the other thing was the sad news in many ways. Um, not that Harry Hornet disappearing, but finding out that, um, that Gareth, who has been the, the man inside uh, Harry Hornet, uh, has, has stepped down. What a legend. Do you know what? You asked me earlier, um, before we started the podcast, about whose name I should get on the back of my shirt yeah. if I bought one. And forget Pereira and, and Maps, who I'd suggested. I think I'm going to get Harry, because he has been an absolute legend. Or at least the outgoing man, Gareth Evans, who... Uh, the way he just sort of handled the whole sort of persona of Harry has been superb. He's got some great dance moves. Yep. I'm sure that helps. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't get me into working inside that costume. I dance too much like a dad at a wedding. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just wouldn't be able to pull it off. But he, he sort of left us with some memorable moments, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, it, yeah, it's just yeah. been amazing. That, and, and just the fact that he got inside Woy Hodgson's head the other week. It was just so, so funny. And he's been entertaining. And, and just a reaction as well to it on Twitter when he made his Twitter announcement. And his Paddy's fans on there reacting to it and he just and it just made me laugh thank you Gareth for doing such a brilliant job of being harried on the Palace fans used to did you cry at Wembley whenever whenever a Watford fan said anything anti-Palace they said did you cry at Wembley well Will Zaha your star player the player who you win zero points without in your side basically burst into tears about a man in a Hornet costume for that I shall be forever grateful Gareth you've been brilliant uh, other brilliant news is um, uh, your dad's uh, treatment uh, for prostate cancer is going fantastically well. Yep. Um, as some of you know, we did a, a walk for prostate cancer in July, raised almost £6,000 prostate cancer. Thank you so much for, for your donations and your support. You can still donate, justgiving.com uh, forward slash parking walk. Um, but he's doing good. He's doing really well. He's doing really well. Uh, he's completed his um, radiotherapy treatment and been subsequently tested. And the PSA levels, which uh, someone will tell me if I've got that wrong, which are the indicator of uh, potential problems when it comes to prostate cancer, right back down to virtually zero. So um, he's been discharged from the from the cancer unit. Uh, now just he'll have regular checkups. So really, really good news. Um, Dad was incredibly positive throughout, which I shall forever be inspired by. Um, but also, massive, massive thanks to all the Watford supporters who rallied round. Loads of you who I've never met were coming through on Twitter with, with messages of support. And I 
know for, for, for John and Jace and Dave and, and Kieran who, who, who walked with us, we all got support from you guys. But the wider football community as well, it was an incredibly, uh, it's a real landmark experience for me and my family um, just to get that amount of support from from the, the football family. People talk about that a lot and, and we've now had first-hand experience of it. Uh, it's a real thing. It's a real tangible thing and I can't express enough how much that, that myself, my dad and my family really appreciate the, um, the support that we got from you guys and my fellow uh, from the Rookery End uh, team. It's been an absolute pleasure to be a Watford supporter, an absolute pleasure to be uh, a member of this podcast, but more than anything, a pleasure to be a football fan on, on days and occasions like that. Thank you so, so much. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Watford ladies, uh, season's already started. They're on a quite decent run. At half-time today, I caught up with the uh, Watford ladies captain, Helen Ward, uh, to find out uh, how this season has been going so far uh, for the Golden Girls. Helen, not only have the men's team uh, started very well, but Watford ladies are, are flying as well. Yeah, we've had a decent start. Had a little bit of a blip in the second game at home to Loughborough where we lost 3-1. In truth, it probably could have been about 7-3 to us on the day, but for one reason or another, we didn't have our shooting boots on. But no, otherwise, we've we've started the season well. We know a new group of players. It's not always easy to hit the ground running, but... We've, we've had some good results and some good performances, so we're pleased with how it started. The women's game is always changing to sort of drive it forward. So where are Watford at the moment in terms of what division they're playing in? So we're in the third tier now, so I suppose the equivalent of League One in terms of men's football. Um, it's called the FA Women's National League. It's split into two, so there's a northern division and a southern. Obviously, we're in the southern division. So, yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. But I think with the group of girls we've got, and, you know, it's a very young squad, myself apart. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's probably the right level for us at the moment. It's a league that we're going to be competitive in, as we've already shown, and it's one that we're looking to attack you know, right from the start, and we're hoping to win the league. Obviously, it's not going to be as easy as just turning up week in, week out. But, yeah, that's where we're at. And um, hopefully it's a platform to build on to, to go up and, and hopefully get back into the, the second tier next season. Can you, can you get promoted into the second tier? You can, yeah, but you have to match the certain criteria that the FA set out. Um, so I think, from what I gather, all those things are in place pretty much. We haven't really changed much in terms of our structure from the last few seasons so in that sense there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to go back up there um, it's just a case of trying to get the job done on the pitch and then worry about that later on Would you say it's a, it's a young team and a new team what's your role in that and as, as you know is, is it sort of changed for, for you as a player is that do you like being the uh, slightly senior of them because you're still very young compared to, compared to us definitely um, yeah a few of the girls call me mum um, which is no it's, it's nice it's, I, I guess I am a bit of the mother of the group you know I am a mum obviously with my two little ones and maybe it's something that comes naturally to me to sort of look out for the girls and make sure they're doing the right things at the right time but yeah my job is just to try and point them in the right direction if they need anyone to talk to if they need any advice then you know either I can help them myself or or put them in touch with someone that can but no I think it's just leading by example on and off the pitch and and trying to get the best out of a, a really talented group of players but it's something I enjoy as I said I am probably 10 years older at least than most of them but that's you know only age is a number isn't it so I, I try and uh, not use that as an excuse and I try and you know in terms of fitness and things like that and try and 
make sure that I'm doing all the right things and that hopefully the girls will follow. So you've been in the, the women's game for a long, long time. It's changed quite a lot. Do you think it's in a good place at the moment? I mean, I know you just recently played in a, for Wales uh, in Chassis and there's that game where we watched on television against England. Is it is it developing as, as sort of everyone foresaw? foresee, foresaw, foresaw? <laughs> yes and no. I, I have to be a little bit careful with what I say, but I think... The powers that be like to change things perhaps more often than is necessary and maybe panic a little bit when things don't quite go to plan rather than giving things time to grow. The league has changed. I mean, the WSL was only formed in 2011 and I think since then there's been at least three restructures, which in seven years isn't isn't really ideal. Um, you know, this season being the last in the latest in sorry uh, restructuring. In terms of support and coverage and, you know, people's awareness of it, yeah, it's gone from strength to strength. And the fact that I'm here talking to you and that you know about women's football is something that would never have happened in the past. It's, you know, fans of men's football didn't really give a damn about women's football, you know, in the main part. There's obviously a few that always have. But, yeah, it's gaining a lot more interest. And, and I think it's important that we keep it out there and we keep doing as much as we can to get it out there. And, look, not everyone's going to like it. It's the same with any sport. You can't force people into into liking it. But hopefully people do see it and it opens their eyes that it is out there and you know it's something that they can go and watch and take their kids to and, and hopefully enjoy. If you're a Watford fan want to go and support the Watford ladies how what's the normal routine then? So our home games are at Kings Langley which is obviously not too far from here it's I think about six quid to get in so it's not a lot programs are fantastic but I would say that because I have a lot to do with making them um, <laughs> no all jokes aside it is it's, it's a nice it's a friend you know Kings Langley is a very friendly place it's there's a fully licensed bar. You can get a, a good hot dog, I hear. So it's it's a nice place to come. You know, you can walk around, get to know all the people that go along. We've got a, a few fans that come regularly and, and they seem to enjoy it. And, yeah, we, we hope to put on a good display of football. So if you're interested, come along. And the next few games, what for ladies? How's that? What, how are you looking forward to those? Or are you not? Have you got a big team coming up? <laughs> uh, we play Portsmouth tomorrow. We've got an away game. They've always been there or thereabouts in this league, so that we're expecting a tough game. I think they might have lost the last couple, though, so... You know, they're going to want to come out fighting. Then we've got a home game the following weekend at home to Gillingham, uh, which I believe is a three o'clock kickoff on Sunday the 23rd. Then I believe there's a weekend with no game and then a midweek one away to Basildon, which obviously on a Wednesday night is not ideal going around the M25 to Essex. But yeah, we've got a few games coming up and I think there's a couple of international breaks where there's a, a couple of little windows, but... Yeah, we've got, we've got some important games and, you know, if we want to compete in the league, then they're all important. Next up, Jason, we go to the cottage. Fulham away. We're going into it still positive, aren't we? We are. Uh, I think I predicted a win on the, on the prediction, so uh, so we will. Uh, it's going to be an interesting... No, no, Jason, you're not doing that well. You didn't predict four wins in the season. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm sure I predicted defeat today, though. No, sorry. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting and intriguing test because we know we, we talked about how good our home record's been under Javi. Obviously, we know how it's been the opposite away from home under Javi. Um, so the Burnley game, is that, uh, was that a, a one-off? Is that because Burnley were just so bad or, or were we that good? And, and can we carry the form that we've seen so far this season? Because we still played pretty well today. So can we carry that on to, to next Saturday? 
against a side who are probably a bit like we were in our first season. They made a lot of changes. They bought some decent a players lot. in. A lot. They've made tons. A hundred million pounds. A hundred million pounds of changes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So probably they're, they're even more Watford yeah. than we are. Um, and of course they've got Slav there, so yeah. uh, it will be good. It will be good to, to see Slav again. I'm sure. Um, I, I think those of us that have been to Fulham will know that the tunnel's in the corner by the cottage, and he will need to make that walk in front of the away yeah. fans. And I'm sure he will get a fantastic reception from Watford fans as he walks out. Uh, and then after that, we'll, we'll do him. <laughs> but after that, of course, we've got Arsenal uh, away, but then Bournemouth at home. It's, it, I'm not saying that's a tough run. I'm not saying it's an easy run. It's the Premier League. I think it's back to reality as well, isn't it? Because we've had this, we've been living in this amazing, um, this bubble, this amazing start. Um, and now we've got Fulham away. Bread, it's a real bread and butter game, isn't it? You'd want to try and pick up a point there, say it all the time. But Watford is exactly the sort of club, despite our start, that Fulham fans will have had their eye on us as picking up three points. Arsenal certainly will. Um, so we just need to keep this momentum going, keep that good feeling, keep that goodwill, keep the fans on side, keep the players loving their game, keep the players loving each other. There's a shot, even mid week posted by the Watford Twitter account of Jose Holobas smiling I'm not sure <laughs> if I'm on board with that or not but he, get... he got a yellow card today I was happy after that he, he, arguing, he's still there arguing arguing <laughs> arguing get in there Jose he's still there yes of course it is you're not going to change that you're not going to change that bloke in there uh, just because we've won a couple of football matches <laughs> so it's kind of back to the bread and butter now isn't it and it's just, it would be amazing having gone into that and having nicked a point today but there's enough that happened in, in this United game to suggest that we, um, we can, we're going to give Fulham headaches and I'm disappointed. I think we probably should have nicked a point. I think we probably have enough about us in this in this team in this squad. Um, I think United looked wobbly this afternoon. We didn't quite kick out, kick that door down. Let's go and uh, kick the walls down at the cottage. I think it's protected actually. So let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's be respectful, but let's beat them heavily. Come on, you horns.